Hello, everybody. Thank you for downloading episode 29 If We Got This with Mark and Hal, recorded live during our panel at DragonCon, which means you get all the fun audio idiosyncrasies that come with panel life. Steve O'Dockerson was the person who suggested the topic for this episode, and I wanted to mention him because he has a great podcast of his own called The Hobcast. Both Mark and I have been guests on it, and I suggest you check it out. Also, if you haven't gotten tickets to our show in New York City and you're going to be in the area, we have a venue change. We are no longer at Urbo. We are now at Le Poisson Rouge. Same day, same time, October 11th, 8 p.m., and you can still get your tickets at NewYorkSuperWeek.com. While you're at it, if you enjoy what Mark and I are doing, go to iTunes and give us a quick rating and review. We'd really appreciate it, and I would really appreciate you enjoying episode 29 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle, once and for all, best classic movie monster. So don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. right. We, we got this. this. <laughs> Mike Furman and the double clicks, everybody. <laughs> it's such an electronic-y sounding song that I loved. The acoustic, like I never thought of an acoustic version of that. Um, so thanks, guys. You can't see them, but they're totally waving. <laughs> we should point out, because we always mention it at the end of the show, Mike Furman is also the man who wrote that song. Right? Yeah. Right. Come on. Hear it for him. Uh, good morning, Dragon Con. That sounded so much like church. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you today. I got a fever in me, and the fever can only be solved by a fake debate. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking uh, best classic movie monsters, and uh, our guests for this episode... Um, I think are experts in this field. Absolutely. Uh, maybe not of the best movie monsters. They're definitely experts in the worst movie monsters. Well, they're known for that, but I think they have an appreciation for, for film and particularly the monster genre, which makes them the perfect guests. Would you like to meet them? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Trace Beaulieu. <laughs> Mr. Bill Corbett. And Mr. Frank Conniff. Oh, you got a hug. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. Uh, thank, thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> oh, the morning phlegm. Yeah. Yeah, after the Saturday night of Dragon Con. Uh, that is not a classic monster, by the way, the morning phlegm. <laughs> um, so, uh, just to, just as our warm-up round. <laughs> Have you already made your decision? No, I just like touching myself. <laughs> um, before we dig into the, uh, before we dig into the round and the game of the best classic monster, just to wake us all up, it's early today, uh, can we go down the line and each of you name one of, one or two of your 
least favorite monsters, just because you and I have been kind of doing this a lot this weekend, Trace will go, hey, here's another crazy one. And he'll tell me some bizarre movie monster that I've never heard of. So uh, I got it. Uh, it's the one that you didn't know, uh, the monolith monsters. It's basically a crystal that comes out of a, uh, a comet, uh, and its its power is when it gets wet, it grows into a crystal, and then it falls over and crushes stuff. <laughs> and they, it crushes houses. If you touch it, you turn to stone. What movie is that? The Monolith Monsters. Oh, the Monolith Monsters. Wow. Uh, and I think they kill it <laughs> by getting it in a box canyon, like letting it fall this way and then until it gets into a canyon. How many people have seen that? That's too many people. That is, well, that is yeah. more. I've never heard of it. So you're saying that, that, that a rock monster's natural enemy would be a wall? <laughs> uh, three at least. Three walls. <laughs> yeah. The old science rule, three walls to kill a rock. Never forget. Or paper. Oh, right. fair enough. Right? <laughs> Couldn't they have just laid paper over the whole thing? The, that would have solved the problem. The army airlifts in giant sheets. <laughs> the 501st origamists yeah. are here. Scissors were tried. But they kept getting crushed. <laughs> Frank, do you have a, uh, a favorite worst monster? You know, I always thought that the mummy sucked. <laughs> As a I mean, why would anyone be afraid of this guy? He's like, he walks really slowly. He's covered in bandages. He, you could easily like grab one of him and just unravel him yeah. and watch him twirl around. And um, I, I know that he's he's unpleasant and not a great conversationalist, but. Uh, <laughs> But I don't know why anyone would be really frightened by it. Well, you know, maybe the initially you'd be a little, oh, wow, that guy's completely covered in uh, bandages and gauze. <laughs> That's kind of uh, messed up. Um, he must have had a radio uh, radioactivity accident at a CVS or something. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, and, you know, you can easily outrun him. You know, I mean, he, he walks really slowly, right? He, you know, I, I just don't get, you know, why. And, and I think, too, you know, I guess he's from a more quaint era when, when that, you know, now, because he was basically a zombie, right? I mean, when you come right down to it, yeah. yeah. And now zombies figured out, hey, let's get rid of the gauze. And, uh, and, and, you know, now they can go really fast sometimes. So I, I think the mummy's day is past, personally. Not even the reboot of the mummy with, uh, Brendan Fraser? Cause he um, could turn into a sand monster and shoot beetles out his mouth. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, because like, uh, most, <laughs> like most of the world's population, I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> the, uh, the, the presence of Brendan Fraser did not entice you, huh? No. <laughs> Shockingly. No, but, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't know that he could do, and that's smart. You know, I say kudos to the filmmakers for saying we got to give him something else <laughs> besides the fact that he's covered in bandages and walks really slowly. Shoots beetles, fine, yeah. fine, good, good. Just beetle shooting. Uh, <laughs> well, you've knocked one of the universal classic monsters off the list right off the bat. Well, it's, I'm saying he's not that classic. It's tough when you're a lumberer because the scariest thing about you is a limp. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're like, it's the, the, he's across the room. We only have a half hour to get out. What are we going to do? But you're you're frozen in sheer terror. I think that's what they were counting on yeah. that to be. You're just stunned that this slow thing is coming at you eventually. <laughs> but the mummy did make for a great Halloween costume for a lot of kids. Yeah, it, it did. It just had a roll of toilet paper. Damn yes, cheap. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was actually. You could say the mummy was just a, a man who was TP'd and <laughs> went on a rage about it. He was killed in a TP. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't give out candy, boy, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill, what's your favorite uh, terrible monster? Well, we just did one for Rift Tracks that I can't remember if it was the Incredible uh, Sun Demon or the uh, Amazing hideous. Sun Demon. Hideous Sun hideous? Demon. He was a hideous Sun Demon. And his basic monster thing was that he had really bad burns. So it seemed like a blaming <laughs> blaming the victim thing. <laughs> He, he got basically like reverse SPF stuff on him, and uh, he looked really bad. He just kind of stumbled around because he was in pain, legitimate pain, being burned, and uh, he didn't really he didn't really have a purpose. He just kind of like shuffled around and bumped into people and scared them because he was ugly until he died. So that's and he was the antagonist of this movie. Was that? He was the antagonist? Like yeah, the yeah. Villain? I mean, that's the only one they they had. He was basically like a red-headed kid who'd been left out in the Caribbean without SPF. Or, <laughs> um, but I think that relates to my... That guy relates to my larger bet noir in the, in the monster genre, which is just zombies in general. Um, and I know a lot of you guys probably love Walking Dead and all that. I've just never warmed to zombies. They have no personality. They're... Um, the, the whole eat your brain thing seems like, uh, I don't know, a bit of a, a thin motivation. I don't know. I don't know. I've never had it, so I don't know. Maybe it's great stuff, like truffles. So They're sort of, they're sort of like the jugheads of the monster world. Yeah. And they're driven purely by appetite. Yeah. yeah. If that. I don't know what. The, yeah. Humans are their hamburgers. That's yeah. right. Um, we I also don't like that... that I haven't seen the new Fear the Walking Dead, but I've never really watched The Walking Dead, but Fear the Walking Dead, I really resent that title. Don't tell me how to feel when I watch this show. I'll decide if I fear The Walking Dead. Just show me The Walking Dead, and then I'll I'll make that. Don't tell me it in the title. The it's original like, a, it's title, like Laugh uh, at the Tonight Show. Yes. <laughs> Their original title, Be Bored by The Walking Dead. Yeah. Just did not fly. Hey, come oh, on. Some walkers not happy. zombies here. <laughs> Um, we should establish some ground rules for this. So classic movie monsters, um, I think we discussed this briefly before. We're, we're pre-1960, if not pre, what, 1955, something uh, like that. We're, we're including all the universal classic monsters that would come in a box sure. set. Apparently except the mummy. <laughs> yeah, the, mummy, the mummy's got an uphill battle for sure. Uh, we're not including Godzilla. Because he's, he's sort of in the, in the genre of giant monsters, and we've also, um, we're also agreeing to remove King Kong. Is that is that correct? Yeah. The re, yeah. The <laughs> it's, being, it's like when you trade soldier POWs. Yeah. <laughs> we're sending them. We're sending them both across <laughs> and getting nothing. But uh, the reason why is somebody has suggested uh, King Kong versus Godzilla for another episode anyway. But I put it forth to the panelists who who thought we should give them their due as giant as a giant ape and a giant radioactive lizard. 
Um, but we're removing them from from the running here. Is that is that correct? That is stipulated. I, yes. This is the this, this is the a, first I've heard of it, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought our lawyers worked this out. Yeah. How? <laughs> Why does this look like a house inquest? <laughs> Everybody leans forward. Uh, That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Are you now, or have you ever been a movie monster? <laughs> Brains. Uh, I have to leave these proceedings, but I know the Corleone family is a wonderful... <laughs> this is an outrage! <laughs> this is an injustice! So, so did you... I didn't grow up a huge fan of the, of the movie monsters. I was certainly aware of them. I've, I've seen most, if not all, of the films. Um, but... Let's sort of go down the line here. I'll start with you, Mark. Okay. Were you a huge fan of the classic movie monsters like Mummy, Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, that sort of stuff? So I I bought a VHS copy of Frankenstein and wore it out. It was my favorite movie. And uh, and then I bought another VHS copy of uh, Dracula. And then eventually I just went, I'm just going to get the box set that already had both of those in it and that whole box set I wore to the bone uh, all of those that was that was when I was a kid that was the one box set that was like going to bed at night or yeah I'm just I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna watch a little bit of Wolfman and then I'd watch the whole thing so yeah I was a big big fan of those uh, yeah classic uh, the monsters I grew up with those uh, as Universal had um, uh, put them all on television, or the rights went so yeah. that they could all be on television. And that's what we watched as kids late night uh, on the weekends, the creature feature. I think every town had their version of that. Um, and I grew up with them. Of course, you know, Frankenstein being the best, and then everything secondary from that, stay with me. Let's not be a mob, okay? Um, but yeah, the Universal Classics um, uh, for me are, you know, from Phantom of the Opera up till uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon. All right, we're done. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you know, I have to say the film, uh, that really got me into, into the Universal Monsters was, uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And, which, in addition to being the best Abbott and Costello movie and is hilarious, um, it's also a really scary movie. You know, that's what's great about it is the comedy in it is great and the scary stuff in it is great. So, um, you know, that really turned me on to it. And like Trey said, um, Every, uh, uh, you know, my local um, uh, Channel 9, I think it was, in New York, had, you know, showed all of those films. And, and they, they were a big deal. You know, uh, this is like, you know, this is how old I am. You know, this is like the era before cable, before v- VCRs. You know, that, that was it. You know, what was on one of the three channels or five or six channels on your TV. So when, when something like... Uh, you know, for a kid, when something like Frankenstein was on, or Dracula, or the Wolfman, it, it was a huge deal. Everybody got got really excited about it. And and you know, I think a, another interesting thing about, um, like the Todd Browning um, 
uh, films in the 30s is that, uh, and others, uh, is that the studios, like, they didn't look at those horror movies as, as like, secondary B pictures. They, they just looked at it as, like, oh, this is a genre that, that's, that's, um, that people like. So, so they really, um, they gave it like the full first class production, and, and those, I think those movies it, saved Universal. Yeah, yeah, and Great so actors too. And so I think it was only later that that horror became kind of considered a subgenre, whereas I think in the '30s westerns were more considered the subgenre of like the real kind of B movie that people would go to see. But I mean, of course, those those films just hold up really well. Yeah, I don't think I saw a single uh, classic monster without Abbott and Costello. <laughs> first. That was sort of my clearinghouse. So, uh, but I was, like Frank said, I was legit scared at them, and I, I kind of needed uh, Bud and Lou to get me through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, creature features. I don't know if it was just in New York where I grew up with, along with Frank, but uh, not in the same house. But, no, well. Uh, <laughs> You but, might have been. It was a dysfunctional <laughs> place. I might not have noticed. It was. I think it was eight thirty Saturday night, and it was just like appointment viewing for me yeah. and my brothers because, you know, we were we were pretty young. I think as we got a little older, we got lured away by the the scarier, bloodier stuff. Like The Exorcist was huge, you know, right. and that like, kind of changed the way po- people thought of horror. The Last House on the Left, those real oh, yeah. creepy, like that just brought in the you know, chop them up genre. And then I started to think, oh, how quaint Frankenstein. But years later now, I, I kind of go back to them rather than the, the gore fests because I'm old and easily scared now. <laughs> oh, don't, don't we'll decapitate that nice lady. <laughs> what really classifies a monster as the best? Is it the scariest? Is it, is it also the original film that they were in? Because to, to my knowledge, Frankenstein... Wasn't Frankenstein the one that made the AFI's original list of 100 greatest films? Am I am I imagining that? I, feel uh, like I don't have the book in front I think of me. you're correct. Yeah. yeah, James Whale. That may be the one. So that might be something to consider. But is it just whichever one frightens you the most? I think I mean, it's what? the name of the monster. And Frankenstein is a great name for a monster. <laughs> you know? But it's not the name of the monster. <laughs> That's yes. Oh, I just Thank troll baited you, you sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is like literally the first nerd answer you get if you stumble even slightly on that on social media. Oh, you yeah. know, you, if you infer that Frankenstein was the monster, um, he was actually the doctor. You can just feel the, yeah. the glasses being pushed up. Yeah. If, well, there you go. But, I, would, I would love to have Twitter install a feature where any tweet that starts with, well, actually, gets that person either muted or blocked. Yeah, just, <laughs> you can just set up a filter. Spam I would love file. that. Well, when uh, when Doctor Frankenstein named the monster Frankenstein, <laughs> that was the first modern case of branding, <laughs> and he just knew that he had to really sell. So that Frankenstein is the doctor, and yeah. Frankenstein TM uh-huh, is yeah. uh, there. You go exactly. <laughs> he didn't want there to be any dispute about you know, like if he had named uh, Frankenstein like um, uh, Dave. You know, <laughs> and someone might have named Dave might have come in and said, "Hey, I actually," and then there would have been a lawsuit. He didn't want that. <laughs> well, since we're talking about um, Frankenstein, uh, I feel like in in later uh, incarnations of him, he was more eloquent and more true to the book. Like these movies weren't always necessarily true to their book versions. That 
that version of Frankenstein is as the big lumbering. Because uh, in the book, he's an eloquent guy. What he is, he's, he quotes poetry. He's just, yeah, yeah. Um, so does that does that hinder uh, Frankie's chances of being the top guy because he was sort of dumbed down for the movie? Not not for me. I mean, I, I think the book is great and stands on its own. But um, I think they adapted it and just sort of made their own thing that was brilliant and kind of elegant in its own way. I mean, he's really empathetic. Yeah, and, I think Karloff's performance is really what's the star of that. Yeah. Um, you bring so much pathos to that character that you really care about him. And Karloff is, is such a great actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I think that from translating the book into the movie, you know, they, they have to make it in the movie him more visually and cinematically scary. So a monster that recites poetry is not necessarily people aren't going to go, oh, my God, he's quoting Keats. Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. He's wearing big shoes and he's got bolts in it. Not, that wasn't in the book. Yeah. <laughs> he's presenting existential and moral dilemmas. <laughs> go. <laughs> No more rhyming couplets. No more rhyming couplets, please. I, I think it's also, uh, it shows um, how awesome that first movie is because as you look down the Frankenstein uh, family tree of movies, they get worse and worse and worse until they get like back to the book. But there's so many, you know, uh, Frankenstein's daughter and uh-huh. all of these things. There was a, I knew Bride of Frankenstein. I didn't even know about Frankenstein's daughter. There was a, an extended family of marriages and second right. cousin Frankensteins and things. <laughs> uh, and all the different guys that played him, um, I don't think uh, like Lon Chaney Jr. or even Glenn Strange match Karloff's mm-hmm. uh, initial performance. Yeah, something very tender about Boris Karloff that just yeah. vulnerable. Um, yeah, so if you want the undiluted version, you go to Kenneth Branagh's De Niro as Frankenstein <laughs> movie. Where it looks like the patchwork girl from, uh, you're right. From, uh, Doesn't he have Nightmare like, it's like Petey from the Little Rascals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, why did they do like that, that corpse? Just the eye. Right. Bring that with yeah, her. The rest is ruined. Yeah. You'd think that, like, they would take they would take a whole piece. Like, they're going to take the corpse's yeah. whole arm. Like, I need nine corpses to get one arm. That's yeah. an inefficient way to but build But you know what? Mi- mix it up. Here. I want a yeah. real mix. <laughs> to, to me, he looked like a garbage pail kid. <laughs> like, you had, like, sewn up Sal and knitted Ned. And those are the two <laughs> stickers that you got <laughs> for, little, for the garbage pail kid. bone coming out of his nose and flies around his head. Yeah. Did you guys ever see? There's a great photo of uh, Karloff backs uh, sitting offset with the tea, drinking a cup of tea. Yeah, uh, oh, if you guys God. have Google this picture, it's fantastic. It's Boris Karloff, uh, and yeah, and he has like I think he even has the saucer, right? Just like sitting off, waiting to go back on set. D- did you find that with your Siri game? Mark has oh. a great game with Siri that he taught me. You guys, where it's just like he'll he'll just pick up his phone and go, Siri, show me pictures of dogs on unicycles. And then yeah. a, a cavalcade of dog on unicycle pictures will appear. And we tried to stump her. We got, uh, and she would not be stumped. I said, all right, uh, Siri, show me pictures of clowns dressed as soldiers. Boom, clowns dressed as soldiers. <laughs> hey, it's a fun game. Give it a shot. Not right now. We're in the middle of doing a thing. Yeah, put Especially your phones you down. Um, so let's move on. We've talked, well, uh, we've talked Siri about Siri is kind of a monster, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> clown clown dressed as a soldier is the scariest monster I've heard yeah. yet. <laughs> uh, let's move on to, uh, to Vlad the Impaler. Uh, Dracula. I think we could all assume he's a contender on this list. Sure. 
George, um, another classic. Uh, fright. He's definitely frightening. He's the mo- he's he strikes me visually as the most frightening of all of them. Um, there, there's something about there's something about it. I know it's not necessarily also true to the book, and th- that was a book that at the time was not couldn't have been more than thirty or forty years old. Am I am I right? Somewhere in there. Um, so it was pretty. Recent. Came out with thirty, sort of like the twilight of its time. It was taking the original vampire movie, oh, oh, not in quality, not in quality. I'm saying it was adapted. People, put your phones down. He's gone too far. Um, but that, like, to me, that gets points because when I think of of a vampire, that's immediately what comes to mind. I don't care how many different versions come out. Um, that's that's what a vampire looks like. He's always dressed in a in an evening tuxedo, like a magician. Yeah, <laughs> he should look like a magician. And his trick is he makes your blood disappear <laughs> with his mouth. Yeah. Now tell me, yeah. we've never met before, have we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, that <clears throat> that character also brought sexuality to horror. I think. Yeah. Um, and and it's a it's. it's Got this erotic quality that maybe I only find that way. But <laughs> See, I, I thought Frankenstein was hot as balls. <laughs> <laughs> some guy, some like big dumb guys. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. it's my taste. Now, is is part of what we're in determining this? Are we using like uh, who could take who down in a fight? Is that? I, I mean, no, I don't. This is. I feel like this is more like the audience. It's like, your podcast, guys. Well, but they, I, no, but we our, our criteria have never been set. I feel like that's a pl- that's sort of like played out. Yeah, who's the best? The best. Right, who's gonna? Who, it, will Dracula beat Frankenstein yeah. in a fight? You could. The best monster on their worst day. The best monster on their worst day could could lose a fight. Sure. So it's not. I mean, if you do King Kong versus Godzilla, for example, King Kong's going to lose in ten seconds. Godzilla's the size of a building. Yeah. But he's climbing up. He picks him up and goes like that, and then it's over. <laughs> so it's that might not right. be the best. Not uh, in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are the exact same height somehow. Yeah. So it's <laughs> so it's not necessarily. I don't think it's who wins in a fight. Okay. But it's uh, you know. Just generally, who makes for the best movie? Yeah, like, what, yeah. yeah, who makes for who does right. the right things to an audience? Scares yeah. them right, um, gets like them sexually excites like Trace, yeah, with uh, Dracula. But now I've got this new genre to explore: of clowns in, you know, <laughs> clowns on dogs with, with <laughs> clowns, clowns in in, uh, in soldiers' uniforms. Clowns dressed as soldiers. Uh, Coco, thank you for your service. <laughs> Got PhD. <laughs> PhD. I got that thing. Got... <laughs> but they all went into battle with the guns that just say a little flag comes up. Bang. Well, that's, that's why ultimately they're not effective in you, you Except could... for the tank, which said boom. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you could hit, fit a lot of them into a tank, though. <laughs> yeah. Totally can. I want to see the division that goes in and disarms water balloons. <laughs> Suit me up. <laughs> Here's your needle. So we agree that we're changing the subject of this podcast to yeah. soldier clowns. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we have we have quickly uh, quickly turned a corner. Um, who else do we have? Uh, Wolfman. The Wolfman. Let's talk Wolfman. The Wolfman. The Wolfman. Yes. A Wolfman. A. Now, am I, I, um, 
Um, this is a question about the, 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 now was the Wolfman created specifically for film or did, did he, uh, I think I read somewhere that he was actually created by Kurt, uh, Sidemack. Sidemack. Yeah. Who Sidemack. wrote a lot of those films and, um, and that he was, uh, that he created that mythology. But it's, it's I, I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, although he, uh, that screenwriter is, is hailed as one of the greater, Screenwriters, that particular film, in my opinion, is a horrible movie. Although I love, and it is the definitive Wolfman, uh, the Lon Chaney Jr., uh, it's just a terrible film. Uh, it, there's a, it's a film of convenience. Uh, uh, Lauren, uh, Larry Talbot has this house with a telescope in it, and the only thing he can see is the girlfriend he's going to meet in the next scene, <laughs> and uh, who is Mrs. Folgers for some reason. It was more. She branding. had her own spinoff, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, the Wolfman for me, I, I was always obsessed with uh, Wolfman transformations. Yes. Like I love American Werewolf in London, uh, yep. Thriller, The Howling, yeah, um, Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Got to remember Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf was awesome. Wolf Cop. If, yeah, if nothing Wolf else. <laughs> Wolf Clown. <laughs> they need you on the front lines, Wolf Clown. <laughs> Their only enemy, the dog on the unicycle. Yeah. <laughs> The Wolfman's at the Wolfman all the time, so it's just full moon, right? Yeah, it's yeah. One, one day out of the month, he's cranky and kills people. The rest of the time, he's brooding. And, oh, I'm going to turn into a thing in about 28 days. <laughs> it's yes. also a good example of when um, sometimes when uh, top uh, tier <coughs> A-list filmmakers take on a genre like this. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm talking about the movie Wolf with uh, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. directed by Mike Nichols, which is not a very good movie, not not very scary and not very interesting. At least in my <laughs> if you've ever wanted to see Jack Nicholson urinate, though, that's your movie. I was going to oh. say that's the only thing I remember <laughs> yeah. from that movie. That's the only I'm thing marking that. my territory. Yeah. It's the only line from that movie I remember, which he does at the Lakers games anyway. Yeah. It's just it's like a documentary. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also like, you know, kind of when, when, you know, the so-called A-list filmmakers tackle a subject that, sh- that should be cool and should be fun, you know, they're like, hey, I-, I bet people would really like to learn about the publishing industry. <laughs> you know, right, so right. Half the movie takes place in like publishing offices, you know. Yeah. Kind of, kind of didn't work. The, the, uh, interesting fact about The Wolfman, the first film, the moon does not appear in that film. There's it no was shot. a contract yeah. dispute. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> you can't afford me, baby. I'm the moon. <laughs> we lost the moon to RKO. Right. <laughs> I, I'm going to put in a good word for uh, Wolfman, although I, even as a kid it drove me crazy that they couldn't decide whether it was Wolfman or Werewolf. For some reason that really drove me nuts as a kid. Mm. I needed consistency and object permanency. Um for some reason, that was the monster as a kid that excited me the most. Although I acknowledge they're not really good movies in retrospect, especially the first one. Yeah. Um, they played very fast and loose with when the full moon appears and <laughs> like the frequency of it. 
but I just I kind of love the transformational aspect, right down to the yeah. technical part of it. His, mm. his snout's going to grow yeah. out, and his clothes are going to rip. And I I yeah. think that's what I, I liked about Hulk later on when I was a kid getting into comic oh, books. Like, but where the shirt tears on his arm, they always yeah. That was probably shot. my erotic trip right there. <laughs> but, but but I think it had to do with this is a guy who, and especially with Lon Chaney Jr., who had this really sad face. Yeah. And this, Seemed like he's just a just a regular Joe trying to get by, and every now and then this crap happens to him, and he murders people. Um, I, the transformation thing uh, always confused me as a kid, and I love uh, all those things that you said about Lon Chaney and the transformation. But the pants thing, which they carried into the Hulk, yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, and, and I know why as an adult they did that, but as a kid, it's like. Okay, he, he, his shoes are gone now and his shirt ripped off, but he still has some nice slacks on. Right. <laughs> a little yeah. frayed at the end. Little chinos. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> the, the Twilight series solved that problem though, didn't they? And just made him into giant wolves. <clears throat> which was a terrible, <laughs> terrible way to do that. I don't think, I think I only saw the first Twilight. Thing. Yeah, they you didn't never. bring werewolves in. Right? Yeah. Right? They just became big, big doggies, basically. Uh -huh. Uh, dog soldiers is a great uh, werewolf or uh, the werewolf or were men or were people or whatever they were. Were clowns. Were Ooh, yeah. <laughs> we're coming up with some high concept shit up here. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is gold, people. We want to move on since we're talking uh, Lons Cheney mm -hmm. to the father, mm -hmm. the greatest, uh, the greatest. Makeup man of a thousand faces, uh, mm -hmm. and the Phantom of the Opera. Right. Uh, I was always a big fan of that movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was tough because it's, I mean, it's a tough one to throw in the mix just because it was, uh, it doesn't have the benefit of sound. Uh, yeah. Like the others do. Mm -hmm. But, uh. Well, opera, you know, you don't want sound. Right. <laughs> you don't want, yeah, you don't want a movie with opera. <laughs> it Fans? is very scary. Yes. The fact that, he attracted Andrew Lloyd Webber to it. Turned it into a real horror. Am I right? Back me. Oh, never mind. Yeah, we are talking the Lon Chaney um, Phantom of the Opera, not the Gerard Butler. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, All right. I I will say I saw the the when Phantom of the Opera was touring when I was a kid. It came into Philadelphia. It was always touring. Probably still is. Oh, yeah. And we and all I wanted to see the entire film. I did not care about the music, did not care about any of the characters. I just wanted to see the makeup job on his face because I grew up with that pig faced, yeah. Lon Chaney, frightening looking uh, fan of the opera. And I wanted to see what was under the mask. We were so far away because we couldn't get good tickets. <laughs> and I uh, I had these I the whatever like the field glasses were that we got that were like five bucks didn't work. So the one moment of the film, all I saw was what looked like a bruise. Wearing a suit from across the entire theater, so so I hold a grudge against the musical for that reason. But that Bruce is a really good singer. They should have been like, he's taking his mask off. Let's put a magnifying glass in for everyone to see. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I Phantom of the Opera for me definitely frightening. I don't know if I don't know if he holds up against. I like I like the I like that kind of story where where they give the the monster sympathy you know where there's like uh, you know they make him sympathetic and they give him a reason to to have uh, empathy for him I, I think when that's done well that works really well in a, in a film for, yeah for a, a, a villain like you know for an actor you always hear in interviews actors playing villains so I was like yeah it's just a person who's Value system is slightly different than right. yours, or whose goal is slightly different. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, Frankenstein and uh, and Phantom and of the Opera. And also Hunchback of Notre Dame is like that, too. Oh, I, I loved I was a big... But I wouldn't consider Hunchback a monster. Have you seen him? No, I'm kidding. I mean, he's... You were the, the guy throwing eggs when he was spinning on that thing, weren't you? He was... Uh, he was uh, unfortunate. He wasn't like right. made a monster. He was he was that way, and well, you could argue society made him that way. Right, and that's that's an interesting uh, approach to uh, to that kind of story is someone that society makes a monster, but really isn't. And that would have been Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and well, well, especially Hunchback of Notre, yeah. Notre Dame. Did you see the Disney version where they tried to make him kind of cute? Like, I Hunchy. love the Disney version. I just watched the Disney version a week ago. Yeah. Uh, this is true. And um, and the only moment, because I, I loved it. Uh, in the th- I remember seeing it in the theater. And there's, I mean, there's, spoiler alert, it's Hunchback. It was written 200 years ago. But uh, Quasimodo falls off of uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. And in the Disney version, there's that moment at the end. And and I'm I'm oh and Quasimodo goes to fall and then from like a balcony halfway down, uh, Kevin Klein's character reaches an arm out and catches him and I remember in the theater being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the Disney version ends. Right? Yeah. He scoops him back up and then they go downstairs and a little girl comes up, touches his face and hugs him and I'm like, oh now I'm happy again. <laughs> So, uh, what about uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Does he enter the conversation? Oh, oh, yes. oh, yeah. oh that's that one got. We us got lost. some Heidi hoes here. Is that was that what their fans are called? <laughs> uh, and if I could just go all Forey Ackerman all over you for a minute, it's it's uh, uh, Jekyll. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not Jekyll and Hyde. Did you ever Jekyll. see uh, Dr. Jessel and Mr. Hyde? Georgie Jessel? <laughs> Old people, that one is for you. <laughs> you ever seen uh, Anthony Jesselnick in Mr. Hyde? <laughs> Young people, that's for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another example, too, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which was done at MGM, in the, and it was like a completely top-of-the-line um, mainstream Production directed by March, right? by Victor Fleming, who directed The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah, which which version are you talking the, about? The Spencer Tracy version. The one guy goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a Frederick March version. Yeah, too, and right? then isn't there a? Um, there's like three or four. Yeah, but I'm talking about the the Spencer Tracy one with N. Ingrid Bergman, and um, and the Frederick March one is also very like uh, a picture. The Frederick March one, like when they turned him into Mister Hyde, you knew he was evil because they like gave him eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they just gave him like bushy right. eyebrows. Uh, yeah. as Mr. he's Hyde. like the modern Joker. You yeah. know, the, the Jared Leto version with like damaged. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Evil guy. I'm so glad that that upcoming film is letting us know that the Joker is in a bad way mentally. Yeah. I was never sure. <laughs> but when you put tattoo it on your chest, then you know. And as a moviegoer, I appreciate that because I have no brain. I <laughs> think, was that to remind us or to remind him? Because if he's looking in the mirror, he's like, what? I... I think it'll be. Should I go to the office today? Oh no, evil! Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think it'll be an interesting and unique um, uh, to see a a very dark take on the Batman mythology. It's high time. Finally, it's about time. Come on. (laughs) 
So, uh, so what about um, Creature from the Black Lagoon? I think that sort of comp- completes the, the group the, here. Well, the Invisible Man. Oh, the Invisible well. Man. Yeah. See, the Invisible Man. Uh, well, the Invisible Man, he, he becomes invisible and then loses his mind. Well, he, Is that the idea? The Invisible Man was, uh, was in my top contenders for this. Oh, yeah? that was that was I loved that movie. And I think that character... Like is just such a fascinating guy, and much like the transformation scenes uh, uh, with the werewolves, it's fun to watch him yes. take that, uh, sure. take the bandages and the goggles mm-hmm. off. That uh, was a uh, a breakthrough in terms of special effects, in, in terms of um, um, invisible string technology. You know, <laughs> move, move things around without you. Seeing the, the telephone. Yeah. I'm holding a telephone. That's right. I usually hold it seven yeah. feet from my shoulder. Yeah. 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 Hello. Hello. Yeah. Milwaukee. I'm holding a gun on the bed and you somewhere with my brother. We did, uh, we did a movie on MST3K with uh, Ben Murphy. I can't remember. What was it called? Any nerds out here remember? Say again? Alias. Did Gemini Man. It was a TV series. And that was his, he had a little watch that could turn himself invisible. And the spatial relationship between him and the objects he was holding was always so far <laughs> off. <And> so, like, <laughs> he was holding a phone. It would be like three feet above his head, <laughs> behind his back. Well, also, when you see, when you see those things that are being moved around on fishing wire or something, it always looks like the invisible person is drunk. Because yeah, it right, sways. Right. It's not on a yeah. perfect track. I'm alright. I'm just invisible. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the best, the best effect of all is, is him wearing his clothes. The Invisible Man wearing clothes is yeah. pretty great, yeah. I think. <laughs> just a suit walking around. Right. They realized you just can't have an invisible character on film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. As, he, as cheap a special effect as that is, yeah. you have to do other stuff. But then that defeats the whole point of his invisibility. Uh, if he puts on a suit and then he's right. just, you know, a coat hanger. Um, but the thing about uh, you, you guys mentioned earlier the, the uh, Frankenstein and um, uh, the characters that had sort of that pathos to them. Mm-hmm. The Invisible Man doesn't have that. He comes in that movie from the beginning a jerk. He's a pretty cold yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah, and Claude Rains plays it. Oh, he was perfectly. Great. I mean, he's, it's a great performance because a lot of yeah. it he just has to do vocally. But uh, yeah, he's not he's not a likable guy, <laughs> not in the least. <laughs> And that's his. Uh, that's Gloria Stewart, wasn't it, from Titanic? Wasn't oh, yeah, that the engineer so, yeah. who, like, eighty years later, was in Titanic? The, throw the throw the gem in the river. Or in yeah, the that was her. That was the in the river. Yeah. Did, you, did you think the Titanic was piloted yeah. by Mark Twain? Yeah. <laughs> like, never, never let go, Rose. Just put your feet down. Just put your feet down. There's a rock right under you. Yeah. Next stop, Oak Bend. That's it. <laughs> that Atlantic Ocean is a hell of a big river. That yeah. was from uh, the the knockoff uh, riverboat Titanic. <laughs> Where it just the sinks Randy three Newman feet. musical, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm the king of the world. <laughs> All right, so so now Creature of the Black yes. Lagoon, which I ex- I expected to be Mark's favorite because he played Ben Chapman yeah. in the Thrilling Adventure Hour, but not so. He hates the Creature from the Black Lagoon. All you, Black I Lagoon don't fans. hate the Creature Absolutely from the Black Lagoon. Absolutely hates him. No, I like the Creature. I think as a as a monster, he's. I mean, he's got a walnut brain, and you know, I mean, it's it's all instinct, and it's like a zombie. It's yeah. you know, uh, food, girl, threat. You know what I mean? Well, I always thought I love The Creature of the Black Lagoon. As a movie, it's fantastic. Uh, One of my favorites. One of the best man in a suit 
um, uh, special effect makeup costume jobs. Totally. Uh, but I always thought having raised fish as a kid, uh, <laughs> couldn't you just overfeed him? <laughs> just, could you screw up the pH balance in his tank? Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Inst- insta-death. I also think that the, the, the creature from the Black Lagoon might have an issue of like saying, you know what, I'm more than just where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an actual, why don't you give me a name? I'm not just I'm okay, I'm from there, but yeah. I, I'm someone besides that. Yeah, my well, name is Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Fishman. <laughs> that, that's what they actively called him, though, as I recall. They called him the Fishman, didn't yeah. they? In the, the Gillman. The Gillman, that's Gilman. right. The better, better. Mr. Gillman. Like Vince Gillman. No, it's <laughs> Gillman. Everyone keeps running it together. It's not Gillman. It's Gilman. Yeah, Gilman. <laughs> so is it the Wolfman? Uh, yeah, just like uh, it's Steve Spiderman. Spiderman. Yeah. Steve and Emily Spiderman, nice couple. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard to warm up, literally, to, to the creature from the Black Lagoon, I think, because it is a wonderful makeup job, and it's really active. Like, he swims around in that yeah. thing. I mean, technically, it's a real achievement, but it because he's so static in a way and can't speak... Um, you might fi- you might feel a little sympathy for him, but you wind up having to rely on the the humans around him too much. And the one that we did for MST3K was uh, John Agar was the main the, human. Was that the creature walks him or that was the Revenge second of the one, creature. Revenge of the Creature, Revenge. which had a little cameo by a very young Clint Eastwood as a as a total you know he's a lab noob. tech or something. Yeah. Like. At that point, is it a cameo? It's just a bit part because he wasn't it, famous. It yet. was yeah, yeah yeah you're right. It was a bit part. Later <laughs> yeah, retconned into a cameo. Hey, we managed to get this uh, unknown bit player for a cameo. Yeah <laughs> right. <a> right. <laughs> People are gonna love him. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's off screen too much in some ways because a lot of the the people talking about what to do about him. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just my preference for monsters you can feel a little sorry for. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't, you know. He, I was just just outright scared of it. Yeah, because I couldn't figure out how it worked. There yeah. can't be a man in there. Yeah, he's got to be underwater. And plus, the underwater stuff was new to film. Scuba was new, Very and it was well all done. exciting for a kid um, to see that stuff. I think um, that was a turnoff for me, though, because I remember. I think I got disabused of underwater scuba scuba stuff after Thunderball, mm-hmm. James Bond movie, which was ninety <laughs> yeah. percent scuba. Yeah, um, <laughs> never have a fight underwater. Yeah, I'll take your mask. Who's off. that guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to sit here and listen to Thunderball be disparaged. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will say that uh, when I was a kid, Cocoon made me afraid of pools. <laughs> and <laughs> old people. <laughs> I was, yeah, exactly. Which is a weird fear because like, if I jump into the pool and there's a cocoon in there, the worst thing that happens is I become immortal. <laughs> I don't know why I feared. I was afraid I'd have to live with myself for a long time. Guys, I'm going to go see a therapist. I'm going to let you guys finish up. You're a kid. You're like, oh, that is heavy, man. <laughs> I, I like Wilford Brimley in that sidebar. Um, <laughs> where, uh, we'll never get old and we'll never, ever die. So I'm going to be an old fat guy for the <laughs> forever. Yeah, you already are old. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I saw one of those clickbait things, sidebar to your sidebar. Mm-hmm. That Wilfred Brimley doing that movie is the same age as Tom Cruise is now. 
Oh wow! Yeah, it's one of those. And if he, I could people add age a, differently, kind of thing. If I could add a sidebar to <laughs> your sidebar of his sidebar, um, the mo- and it involves Tom Cruise. The movie Tom, the movie The Firm with Tom Cruise. Uh, the ultimate action sequence it is the a climactic fight between Tom Cruise and Wilford Brimley. Falls <laughs> <laughs> Diabetes, diabetes. Will the circle be unbroken? Um, Shall we unsidebar four layers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, click on, click those, click all of the little sidebars yeah. off of the. So, so we need to narrow the field. Yeah. In in my mind. Wait, do we need to get to the blob, or are we done? Oh, there is the blob. Can pass through sinks. That's not a monster. That's gelatin. <laughs> Fair enough. That's so a, we need that's to. That's a Minnesota a, dessert. That's <laughs> right. It's it's a monster. It's a gelatin. It's a monster. Hey, wait! It's a monster I, and I, a gelatin. You got gelatin on my monster. <laughs> Call it what you want. It's delicious. I think that's kind of a subgenre, if I could be so bold, of, yeah. of meteors uh, crashing just outside town. <laughs> uh, monolith monsters, uh, slither, um, you know, it's, and it's always seen by a guy who's got an empty booze bottle. You know, I go, yeah. <laughs> In fact, before, uh, before AA came along, the only way people stopped drinking is if they saw a monster. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They or they think there. they saw yeah, one. Right. right. What? They would look at it for yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or later on you could see a dragon like uh like Lampy did in Pete's dragon. I think that scared him straight. Yep. <laughs> I swear I saw a dragon. Yeah, he learned the entire town didn't believe him because he drank. And he well, that was confront. another uh, uh, trope of the uh, Abbott and Costello movies. I saw Frankenstein out in the hallway. Ah, you didn't see Frankenstein in the hallway? <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I saw Wolfman out in the hallway. Yeah, didn't see, that's a different movie. We haven't made that yet. <laughs> and by the way, the scariest monster in those films is is Bud Abbott. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like the biggest Abbott and Costello fan in the world. And what I love about it is, is their whole relationship is just a, based on Bud Abbott being a total... Right. <laughs> he's hitting him. Yeah, he's nice. Just thoroughly doing, abusing his adult friend. Yeah, <laughs> just doing stuff just to mess with his friend. Yeah. <coughs> My favorite is uh, Abbott and Costello meet Jesus. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> I saw Jesus in the hallway. You didn't ah, see what Jesus are you talking about? <laughs> that was how the church recruited people back then. Yes. <laughs> it stars Kirk Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, talk about As monsters! Yeah, right. <laughs> so, okay, we got to narrow the field down. We're we're cause, because we're running out of time. Are we? Um, yeah, we're, we we got We got a few minutes left. Um, in my mind, the the I have a final two in my head, which are which are Dracula and Frankenstein. And I don't know. Does anybody disagree with that? Is there anybody? Is there is there anybody in that group of monsters who who would measure up to to the two of them? I would timidly say the Wolfman. You would put the yeah. Wolfman in? Mm. Yeah, but that's a strong contender. It's, you know, seven-year-old me watching Creature Features talking. Yeah. So is that, is, that a say, is that a good top three for everybody? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Okay, so then... So then Frankenstein, we- the Wolfman, and Dracula. Like the three Halloween costumes in a Norman Rockwell <laughs> yeah. painting. Yeah, they're the, they're the three Pez dispensers, yeah. the three shampoo <laughs> bottles... Anything that Universal will put out, you right. can get those pretty easily. Um, I mean, w- w- what's the preference of those three? Let's let's go down the line and see if we all agree. I'll, we'll start with you, Bill, and come back this way. 
uh, for me, it's tough between Frankenstein and the Wolfman. And I love Dracula. I just, I, I don't remember ever being that scared by him as a kid. I was sort of intrigued and probably sexually titillated, <laughs> just like Trace. But, uh, yeah, between those two, they're both sympathetic. They're both, um, uh, I, I'm gonna say Wolfman just by a hair. Just, uh, <laughs> come on! I swear to God, I was playing. I was playing hashtag midnight without without thinking about it. Um, yeah, I think I think that because I like I, I like the uh, I just liked the look of them more when I was a kid. I like that transformational thing, um, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Frankenstein. You know, he's sympathetic and uh, um, he's a robot basically, and uh, um, and plus he, you know, he led to great spinoffs like Frankenberry, uh, <laughs> which, by the way, the movie Frankenberry is not as good as the serial. But uh, the serial it quotes poetry, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, I just think out of those three, and, and Dracula is a great monster, and 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 so's Wolfman. But uh, you know, maybe it's just because I think the Frankenstein film, you know, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are the best films. I think mm-hmm. of all of those, so that's yeah. probably why no I argument prefer, there. Prefer Frankenstein. Um, I really love the Wolfman. Um, I think over Dracula. Dracula was a, a little bit too like, hey, there's a gay guy living next door to you. Uh, I don't, you know, he turns into a bat. And although I love Lugosi, um, and I love Wolfman, and I, I kind of have to go with Frankenstein as my original. Um, the James Whale films are 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 just so wonderfully um, uh, shot. They look great, and uh, in that series, the first three the rest of crap um, where you get Elsa Lanchester and then uh, Son of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and then it starts to kind of deteriorate but there's such great performances and really really great acting in those films uh, that I gotta go with I gotta go with Frankenstein I hope I didn't taint the jury with my uh, <laughs> which is a bad movie don't rent taint the jury <laughs> <laughs> the jury's taint is even worse <laughs> The sequels are never as good. Yeah. Yeah. Bride of the Jury's Taint? <laughs> yes. Son of the Taint. The Jury's uh, Taint is hard to see, actually. Because <laughs> they have that box right there in yeah, front of the Jury. <laughs> it's camera placement, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like, for uh, for me, for with The Wolfman... It's, uh, the, the transformation scenes are always my favorite in those wolf movies. But the original Wolfman movie, uh, it was just like a dissolve. Like it was like three dissolves mm-hmm. in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the, I, I, I love that movie. I love Dracula. Um, but yeah, just as a movie, I think I'm, I'm, I have to side with, uh, Frankenstein. It's just a beautiful, beautiful movie and a beautiful performance. Folks. You've seen something very special happen here today. You've seen five different opinions brought into a lab, sewn together with a bunch of Van de Graaff generators around and beakers smoking for no reason. And when struck by lightning, they came alive to form the greatest of the movie monsters, Frankenstein. So take your Draculas, take your Wolfman, 
Take your creatures from the Black Lagoon, your mummies, your invisible men, your Mr. Hydes, your phantoms of the opera, your blobs, and tell them all to step aside. Because in about an hour, Frankenstein will have made his way (laughs) from the other end of the room. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. From the greatest of the classic movie monsters, Frankenstein. It has been decided. He's official. This argument is now closed for eternity for all people. <laughs> Before we do our traditional wrap, I want to thank all three of our guests, Trace Beaulieu, Frank Conniff, and Bill Corbett. <laughs> Guys, um, can we go down the line real quick and, and promote anything you'd like to promote? Tell people where they can find you if they don't know already. I'll be appearing at DragonCon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm currently appearing at Dragon Con. After this, it just jumps off a cliff. I don't know. Uh, no, Rift Tracks Live, I think October 1st, we're doing Miami Connection All in right. theaters around the country. And uh, I um, can be heard uh, weekdays on Sirius XM, uh, Channel 121, a uh, uh, show with John Fugelsang, Tell Me Everything. It's a three-hour show every day that, that I'm on. And... Uh, if you're in the New York City area, Cartoon Dump, my show, is the first Monday of every month and at QED in Astoria, Queens. And my next Podhouse 90 uh, radio play is, is going to be coming out in a couple months, so keep your eye out for that. And we're doing a show in Chicago yeah. in October. Yeah, Trace and I are doing a live riff of uh, two movies, which will be announced. Uh, we're doing shows in Chicago and also in, at the Alamo Draft House in Denver. Great. So. Thank you. Uh, so this has been settled, but as always, there are a million other arguments that the world needs an answer to. So please send them to us at we got this tweets on Twitter. Or email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or visit us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash we got this podcast. Uh, we already thanked him earlier, uh, but thanks again to Mike Furman for the incredible theme song we have. Um, and the double clicks for sitting in and performing. Um, the score that you traditionally hear at the top of the podcast and will not hear this time is by Jonathan Dinerstein, uh, who is a great, great composer in his own right. And many thanks to Ken Plume, uh, because uh, without Ken, our show would not get edited regularly. And uh, we would not be here at Dragon Con. So uh, thanks to Ken for both of those things. Uh, give it up for Ken Plume. Yeah. And finally, thank you to all of you for getting up early in the morning after a very long Saturday night mm-hmm. and coming here to listen to us argue about movie monsters. Give yourselves a round of applause, please. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and to our podcast audience listening, we couldn't do it without you. Thanks for telling your friends and thanks for, um, for keeping us going. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And, and don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. Thanks, thank guys. You. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hey, this is Pop Rocket. We're your source for all pop culture information. It's an intellectual and incredibly snark-filled discussion about pop culture by five cranky Hollywood 30-somethings. No name-calling, no rudeness, just straight talk and a lot of role-play. I'm only 30-something for another year. Me too. And I don't (laughs) tell anybody I'm (laughs) 30-something. 
Pop Rocket comes out every week from MaximumFun.org. Hi, I'm Allegra Ringo, a dog owner. And I am Renee Colvert, a dog wanter. And together, we're the hosts of Can I Pet Your Dog, a podcast for unapologetic dog lovers. So let's talk about this. What are you getting yourself into? What is this podcast about? Well, we have dog news, dog experts, and interviews with special guests about their dogs. We also talk about dogs that we met this week. Join us every Tuesday on MaximumFun.org for new episodes of Can I Pet Your Dog? 